Can I have pepper? Trade you pepper for potato. Do you know how much her insulin costs? No, but I know she's cute and she's way more snuggly than she potato. She is cute, but I, I need her. Fine. I'm sorry. She is very Fine. snuggly. She is. I know. That's why I want her. I know. Cute kitty. Yeah. And she was demanding pets before this. And I was like, I don't have time, kitty. So. Aw. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hi. Hello. How's it going? How are you? I am good. I am tired. And I am sending an email. Okay. (laughs) Just a second. Nothing important. No problem. Oh, agreed. Ooh, I might as well send you this same picture that I was sending to my coworker. Ooh, I got a new tattoo today. <gasps> you did? I did. That's exciting. It was exciting. I'm really tired because it was a long, a pretty long session, and then also it was like an hour and forty-five minute drive each way. But ooh, the person is worth it. So gotcha. But it was a lot of driving, and I'm tired. That's now. a lot of driving. I just sent you the picture. Tattoos are great. Ooh! It wraps most of the way around, and you can't really tell from that angle, but it's Sleeping Giant. I was going to ask if it was a specific scene. That's so cool! Back in the day before the uh, farm there was replaced by a golf course, (laughs) I went with the older view of a farm instead of a golf course. You didn't want the the golf course... Not so much. I'm gonna I'm gonna tattoo my entire body as a 18 hole golf course. <laughs> golf course, this fantastic. <laughs> I, <love> <laughs> I think that's a, a solid plan for yeah, my life. That is an excellent idea. Having never gotten a tattoo before, right? The the key is to just go all in on something. Yeah, go all in and get a full body yeah. tattoo on your first one for sure. Of of something I'm very interested in. Of, <laughs> of something that you love so much. <laughs> There's one thing I know about you. It's how much you love golf. <laughs> Just straight up traditional golf. So much love for the golf. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so much. What we need to do is get our matching Stargate tattoos someday. We will When's do the appropriate time for us to, to go. I mean, we've already pretty much gone all in on the nerdiness, but like to go <laughs> extra all in on the nerdiness with matching tattoos of a podcast that we are doing or for a show for a podcast that we are doing. I don't know. Probably, probably soon-ish. I don't know. Yes. I'm ready whenever you are. That was nice and vague. Just, you know. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I won't make you go all the way to, to Poughkeepsie with me, though. We can find some place here in Connecticut. But will they be as good? I don't know, but I can't imagine that we're just do- we're, we're just going to be doing a line art, so that's not that hard. Like <laughs> this one was a like a full on landscape painting, essentially. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I was a little pickier about who I went to for this one. That's totally fair. Yeah. Are there tattoo artists who specialize in like certain types of tattoos? Or- yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, different artists uh, typically will specialize in different styles or different subject matter even and not all of them do some of them are are like generalist and can do kind of everything but some just like only prefer to do this kind because they're doing well enough that they can be picky or they prefer to do this style or they really specialize in a certain style like I actually found her because she specializes in doing white ink on black so when I decided I wanted to get that black dragon I had covered up with a white archaeopteryx skeleton, I found her because she was supposedly like one of the best people to go to for white on black. But then I saw some of the other work she'd done too. And I was like, oh, she could totally do this color armband that I want also. So Awesome. So I went back to her for this one too. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I cut my own hair today or yesterday. Nice. Yeah. It was, well, it was well past time. (laughs) So... I should probably get a haircut soon, but I'm not going to bother. Maybe I'll let you cut my hair. I don't (laughs) trust myself to cut my own hair. You won't trust me either. I mean, (laughs) I don't think it's terribly uneven or anything, but I wouldn't. It's sort of like I was thinking about this today. Like when I used to get haircuts like a normal person in a place where people with professional skills give haircuts, (laughs) I would get very upset if like it came out uneven or something. Yeah. 
But if I do it and it's not good, it doesn't matter. I did it myself. You didn't spend a bunch of money and waste a bunch of time on it. So So as long as... I don't know. I don't know if the YouTube tutorial I watched will translate into other people's hair. I don't know if I can handle that. The, the last time I went and got a cut and color, it was the most money that I had ever spent on a cut and color and way more than I would have spent if I had realized it was going to cost that much. And I wasn't even that happy with the cut or the color. So I was like, well, it's going to be a long time before I bother to do this again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just was like, it's time and I need to do it now. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Should I mention my other fun news in, a, in addition to my fun tattoo? Yes. That I got that job that I interviewed for last time we talked. Whoa. I was hired yesterday. Yeah. So, yay. I'm not going to say where job number three will be either, but eventually people will buy, be able to triangulate me just knowing that I work <laughs> at two different colleges and a brewery. <laughs> I don't and, know. Uh, There's a lot of both of those in this state. This is true. There are a lot of both of those in this state. I will be leading up their biology department in that I will be the only person in their biology department because they don't yet have a biology <laughs> department, but they will when I start working there. Yay. <laughs> yes. Indeed. <laughs> so that'll be exciting, too. And I'll be very busy. But next semester, I found out that it's I'm only teaching classes that I've already taught before, so it'll be like way less work than I'm dealing with this semester trying to plan out a class that I haven't taught before. So All right. Yeah. Yeah. Make it work. I'll make it work. I can do it. I can do everything. You can do all the things. I can do all the things, including keeping this podcast going every week. <laughs> all I need is enough uppers <laughs> and beer. <laughs> Alternately, that's healthy, right? That's fine. That's fine. That's totally fine. fine. Everything's great. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, so that's my day. My day slash and a half because they just hired me last. Well, not last night, but like late afternoon yesterday, I talked to them. Yeah. Woohoo! It's been an exciting couple days. I love tattoos. Uh, Beer is great. New jobs. Helping to make beer are great. And getting to do science and make beer at the same time, great. So. Hells yeah. So yeah. 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 Are you having beer right now? I am, actually. Good question. I am currently drinking a Harpoon IPA. Oh, nice. Very good. How about you? What are you drinking? I am drinking an East Rock Oktoberfest. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. I wasn't going to break into them until Friday when we were hanging out, but I was <laughs> like, it's time for a beer today. Cause... Yeah. I was tempted. I went to the same brewery that I went to last time I was in Poughkeepsie and got that weird cucumber beer again mm. uh, and a Kolsch that you'll hate. But Yay! I was, I was tempted to break into either one or the other of those. I'm like, oh, I'll be good, and I'll also wait till Friday. <laughs> this is my only beer okay. at the moment. Yeah, I even ran out of my NA beer. So uh, we actually have a bunch left over from last week, and then nice. I bought two two sixteen ounce four packs today. Very cool. Yeah, so we got plenty, and some non alcoholic beer too. Huzzah! Huzzah! It's an extra busy week because I've got a bunch of grading to do because it was exams week last week. So. Ugh. Well, yeah. we've had that discussion. You know my position. Yep. I know. We won't, we won't retread, but... <laughs> I know. I had my second round of exams after our last recording, <laughs> so now I've got even more exams to grade, so... <laughs> if anyone doesn't know what Kathy's opinion is, go back and listen. <laughs> so rather than rehashing all of that, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2 Episode 20... Show and tell. Helps if I have my notes open. Yeah, no schmotes. Just nope, that's just today. talk from the heart. <laughs> yes. I'll give you little prompts about what each scene starts with, and then you just go from there. That works. <laughs> there, there. Oh, I totally uh, named this the wrong number. I named the episode recording as forty-one, but it's not forty-one. It is forty-two. Answer to the ultimate question. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can start, because I'm tired. <laughs> I will start. <laughs> Thanks. No problem. Sorry. <laughs> I just had a moment where I was like, wait. I will start, you say, as you then <laughs> proceed in silence. silence. <laughs> we'll just let you think, listeners, yeah, what you just think. Imagine, this... imagine the scene, what you think might be happening. Yeah. 
we're in the gate room with two, I don't know, technicians or something standing yeah. on the ramp. Just, At least one of them had a lab coat. Yeah. So one science person and engineer who knows i don't know (laughs) a guy with some equipment yeah science equipment they're doing they're doing gate stuff sciencing yeah and we get an incoming traveler alarm going off which i actually really like this because we usually hear that alert from elsewhere and they come running Mm -hmm. in after we everything happens but like it was great to watch those people like scurry down the ramp (laughs) Before they get vaporized. Yeah. <laughs> and then watch all of the... I mean, we've seen the, the the men with the guns get in position before, but... Yes. I, I just... I enjoyed that. I was I was like, I like this perspective. Yeah. Hammond and SG-1 go into the control room, which we can see through the glass from the gate room, which again, I just, I just whole, like this whole scene. Anyway. Yeah, it was... Yeah. I agree. It was framed nicely. Hammond asks who might be coming through the gate technician person does not know and then the iris just opens and Hammond sternly says I did not give the order to open the iris mister and I laughed so hard for so long that's such like a stern dad like finger wag Yes, (laughs) I wasn't expecting it this this man did not open the the iris however and Hammond orders it closed again he closes it but then it immediately reopens <laughs> and Hammond's like get that iris closed sergeant and the dude says that the computer keeps overriding it and then Sam sits down I probably to start looking at things that's not that important anyway <laughs> and then someone steps through the gate they're totally in an Ewok costume. I know, <laughs> right? That's what I called it too. They really are. Yeah, he's got a hood and like a greenish hood, and then it's sort of a fuzzy footy pajama type yes. outfit. It totally looked like an Ewok costume. It totally looks like an Ewok. I actually literally wrote in my notes, "Then an Ewok." Costume. <laughs> <laughs> also known as the kid that was in the X Files for a few episodes. <laughs> This kid? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't. When? What? I don't remember that. He was in some X Files episodes. Oh man, was he... he played? He played that kid that Mulder went and found. Oh, was he bald? I think he was. Oh wow. Maybe not. I don't remember that at all. And no, because he was in it a couple times. Like he came back a few years later. It's older. been a long time since I've done a full X Files rewatch. Yeah, I keep meeting to, and then I keep not doing it, which is yeah. the story of my life. He played a very similar character in the X-Files to the one he played here. Talks to invisible aliens. <laughs> Pretty much, I think, yeah. Actually, All right. If I remember the storyline correctly, kind of something like that. The team in Hammond go to meet this Ewok in the gate room. <laughs> the Ewok comes partway down the ramp and removes their hood, revealing it is not, in fact, an Ewok, but a bald oh. child. And at this point, too, he looks over to the side, and there's some soldier, like, hiding behind something that, like, kind of pops his head out. It's just so weird. Oh, I missed it. I don't know why. I was like, okay. What is he doing? I don't know. Anyway, Hammond orders the boy be searched. Jack suggests Sam do it because she is the designated child frisker. This time, though, it's not just because she's a lady, but also because she might be able to detect other stuff. Yes. Like, gold presences. Yeah. <laughs> Silk should be able to do that, too, though. Yeah. But, you know, she's also the lady. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even let Teal frisk his own kid. <laughs> like... Yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. And weird. Yeah. So Sam... Smiles at the kid and says hi, asks his name. The kid just stares. She introduces herself and says she's going to check you for things you probably know nothing about, but just in case. So she prods his ears and looks at his mouth and feels for other things. And she senses he is not gold or Jaffa. She gets no Nakwada. Jack's like, what's he doing here? And then the boy says... I'm here to warn you. Credits. Yeah. He's here to warn us. Warn them. We're not in that show. (laughs) 
<laughs> Speak for yourself, Kathy. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. You should be. I'm actually looking up how many episodes that guy, the kid played. Okay, so the, I just it was bugging me because I couldn't remember the character's name, but the character's name that he played was Gibson Praise. Oh, I remember that name. Yeah, he was actually in a bunch of episodes, not just two or three. He was in five over the course of four years. Did that kid have, like, psychic abilities or something, or... You've got a dirty mind. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember. There was something special and weird about him. He wasn't just, like, some random person's kid. Okay. Wow, it was the same kid, huh? That's crazy. Right? Crazy. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. In the infirmary, Dr. Frazier is doing a further check on the kid. She says that he's human, and she did check for biohazardous teeth and bombs <laughs> that he might be carrying inside of him, but he doesn't have any of those things, thankfully. She says he's really weak and probably malnourished. The kid talks to Jack and asks if he's Colonel O'Neill. Jack says he is. How did the kid know that? And he points at nothing and says, Mom told me. So, you know, Jack and Dr. Fraser are a little, a little skeptical what's going on here with the kid pointing at nothing and having conversations with the air. But he says that his mom insists that he only talk to O'Neill because O'Neill is the only one he can trust. And O'Neill tries to tell him that he can trust everybody here in SGC. But the kid says that, nope, mom is insistent that he only talk to Jack. Apparently she saw how they've acted on other visits to other worlds and she's been following them for several weeks. And in particular, she was prompted into action by watching their interactions with Tonani and his people. Everyone is really confused how he possibly could have actually known about all of this. And he says that his mom was was watching them this whole time and thinks that Jack is an honorable leader because he was the only one that opposed to the stealing of the precious trinium. Damn and right. That is, yeah, Sorry. right. <laughs> that well, I mean, like everybody else was opposed too. So, I mean, Hammond but, was like, but, "It's still my orders. I'm gonna do it." Well, true. I meant like everybody else on SG yeah, One yeah, was opposed to it. But the kid actually specifies that his mom said that he's only supposed to talk to Jack because Jack is the leader, and the other people might be might be honorable, but they're not the leader. So only Jack. And apparently the kid also knows that Jack had a son and Jack's like, yep, his name was Charlie, but he's dead now. And the kid says he likes that name and would also like to be called Charlie from now on. We're on a bridge, Charlie. So that's weird. But Jack says it's okay. (laughs) So the kid says, okay, Colonel O'Neill, I'm Charlie. And Jack says, hi, Charlie, you can call me Jack. And they shake hands. Jack sits down next to Charlie and asks where he's from. The planet is named Rutalia, and it used to be a nice place until most of his people were destroyed by creatures with glowing green eyes, which they figure is the gold. And Charlie says that the gold aren't actually the problem. It's the Ritu rebels that are going to come to try to destroy all the humans on Earth. Great. Yeah, that's fun. Yes, very promising. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. Just racking up enemies all over the place. Oh, yeah. The team is in the conference room at some point after this. Sam is explaining that the iris opened because it was behaving basically as normal, but as if control was commandeered from the main computer from another keyboard. So that's weird. Yes. Hammond asks about the boy. Jack says the kids survived a gold massacre. Dr. Frazier says that explains the existence of mom... As a psychological defense mechanism, he's convinced himself she never left him. But Daniel's like, how did he know about the Salish? And Jack's like, how do you know about my kid? (laughs) And Daniel's like, is he psychic? Dr. Fraser shrugs, maybe more testing will turn something up. And Teal's like, shouldn't we be concerned about the Ritu attack? Probably. Yeah, probably. So Hammond thinks they need to determine the validity of the info from the boy. So he asks Teal'c to go with Jack to go talk to the kid and see if the attack he describes on his world sounds like a normal gold attack. End of meeting. (laughs) Yes. Down in the infirmary, it seems that Dr. Fraser just finished drawing some blood. 
Tilk and Jack come in and Charlie flips out when he sees Tilk because he recognizes him as a Jaffa and thinks that Tilk is going to kill him. But Jack promises that Tilk is a good Jaffa. Charlie is not convinced. Jack talks out into the air, aiming at Charlie's mom, says Tilk's cool, as are all the other people on the base. And this is specifically where Charlie says that his mom is said to only talk to him because he's the leader, as I mentioned before. Jack introduces Tilk. Tilk says he is pleased to meet the kid and has a cute little smile on his face, but then he suddenly looks extra serious and seems to be in pain and excuses himself from the room. Jack was just about to tell Charlie that they were there to ask him some questions, but instead he follows Tilk out to see what is going on. Tilk tells Jack that the symbiote became very agitated in the room and he's never experienced a symbiote so disturbed before <laughs> and tells Jack to use extreme caution with this kid. Jack's like, I was planning to. Teal cautions further that kids are basically just weapons to the gold. Jack's like, well, he's been checked out for all the usual gold children movie <laughs> traps. And there couldn't possibly be any new no. ones. Dr. Fraser joins them, chiming in that there is no apparent threat to them from the child, but the kid is in even worse shape than she originally thought. Several of his major organs have congenital defects. She says Mother Nature seems to have put him together in a hurry and got everything a little wrong. <laughs> so, That's bad. Yeah. So he's got some heart problems, kidneys, lungs, good stuff. Poor yeah. kid. Yeah. And his outlook in life is not great. No. Nope. No. She says she may be able to help him, but maybe not. And then she shows them his CAT scan and says that a normal human's reticular formation that determines alertness and perception. Oh, that Charlie's is two times the size of the, that. And that could explain how he knew Jack had a son and his effect on the symbiote. <laughs> Somehow. No. <laughs> I don't know. Jack's like, he's got ESP, telekinesis. Frazier says she doesn't know. As I've mentioned before, that reticular activating system is what, you know, she, she was kind of right that it has to do with our alertness and awareness. Uh, that is what I was mentioning before an episode or two ago is damaged in a coma. But uh if it's twice its normal size, that's not going not gonna to give you ESP. How do you know? Have you ever... Also, she wasn't actually pointing to a very good view of the brainstem in the image she showed, <laughs> so that also made me laugh. Have you ever doubled the size of one, Mary, to find out what happens? How can I you be sure? I can't say that I have, because it would smush other parts of the brain, and generally each part of the brain is the size that it needs to be to allow for space for all the other parts of the brain. There's probably something in there you could pull out. Didn't Dr. <laughs> Didn't Dr. Fraser say we only use 10% of our brain? <laughs> Fuck you, Kelly. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> have I taught you nothing? <laughs> I don't listen. Oh, nobody else does either. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> all my students are getting Fs, not because I decided to give them all Fs, it's because no one listens. No, they're not all getting Fs. They're getting, like, solid Cs. It's like an F. <laughs> it's a hard class. That's an F to me. I know, but these are hard classes. It is true. I didn't do any hard classes. I coasted my way through all the schooling. Through the, all the you easy did. stuff. Saw it. Yeah. Did no work. Anyway, your next experiment should be doubling the size of a reticular formation to find out what yeah, happens. It totally has a lot to do with brewing beer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, get them the name of beer reticular formation. <laughs> reticular fermentation? I don't know. Uh, anyway. Nice. Yes. <laughs> this needs to be a beer now. I don't know what kind of beer it would be. I don't know. But it needs what to happen. What tastes like brains? <laughs> Which hop is closest to brain taste? I don't know, but Eldorado is gross and leathery, so I'm guessing maybe Eldorado? Okay, well, you should definitely get them to make a beer that you wouldn't drink. <laughs> that I would hate, yeah. yes. <laughs> yep. Perfect. It's going to work out well. 
anyway, I don't even know where we are in this I scene. Think I think your scene anyway. Well, I, so think, I think it was mostly after that she just says, "Well, I'm a skeptic, but who knows?" Oh, yeah. And then she walks yeah. away. Yeah, that is pretty <laughs> That's much it. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the infirmary. A little bit later, we get a close-up of the monitor showing a an image of a not real body cavity scan and Charlie is lying in the bed. Jack asks why the Ritu want to attack us. And Charlie says that it's not the central authority, like their their higher government, it's a bunch of rebels that want to attack Earth. Charlie says that it's because the glowy-eyed people attacked the Ritu, which initially doesn't really sound like it makes a whole lot of sense. He keeps looking to the side before he answers, like he's looking to his mom for answers. And then he says that apparently the Ritu think that they can't beat the Gold directly, so they want to beat them by attrition. <laughs> And Jack's like, attrition? So, of course, Daniel tries to dansplain what attrition means. And Jack is like, yeah, I know what it means, but what is exactly is their plan? And Sam correctly guesses that the Ritu are hoping to kill all possible Gua'uld hosts in order to eradicate the Gua'uld, which, of course, means killing billions and billions of humans and non-humans alike, because lots of people can be hosts yeah. to the Gua'uld. So Charlie's like, yep, and that's why I was sent here. Daniel asks for a little bit more clarification about the whole situation, and it turns out that Charlie is actually human, like he seems to be, but his mother is Ritu, a non-human species, and he was created by them essentially in a lab to be an intermediary so that they could communicate with the humans, because the Ritu cannot directly communicate with them. Hammond is also there and asks Sam if it's actually possible that there is a race of invisible beings in the room that they can't see. And Sam says, yeah, sure. Matter exists as particles and waves. So if the Ritu waves are 180 degrees out of sync with ours, then they would be invisible. Again, not a physicist. That sounds like BS to me, but also makes me wonder how they can watch us, but we can't watch them if they're 180 degrees out of sync, but we never get that answer. No, we don't. I actually meant yeah. to look this up, but this day has been trash. <laughs> yeah, same. I had actually kind of wanted to look into it too. My day was not trash. It was just a really busy day, so... Jack says, so we're supposed to prepare for an invisible army then? Teal'c says that if there are any Ritu in the room, then it must have come through the gate and so it can control the iris. Hammond asks Charlie how his mom managed to do that. And again, he says that she came here weeks ago and has been watching them. And that is actually how she learned to open the iris. She was controlling the computer and she was able to open it from another console, as Sam had said it was seeming to be acting. So Daniel clarifies the Ritu can manipulate things in our phase, even though we can't see them or interact with them necessarily. And Charlie says, yes, Sam agrees that it's possible, but doesn't really think it's that likely. And Charlie says his mom is annoyed with their narrow mindedness. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's an energy blast that comes out of nowhere and shoots out the monitor that was sitting there next to the kid. Jack calmly says that came from where? And Charlie says, mother. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, when you don't like what people have to say, just shoot things yeah. in their general direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For some reason, they take this holy monitor to the conference room with them. <laughs> Hammond is looking through it. <laughs> yeah, yes, I thought that was funny. <laughs> so I don't, like, why? His face through yeah. the monitor. <laughs> so now they have to deal with the Ritu, which clearly exists. And they are an invisible threat. Sam says we need a way to detect them. Jack's like, helpful. Tilk puts in that his symbiote seems to be able to sense the creature. And Jack says that is only a limited amount of helpfulness because... He can't tell how many there are or where they are. Teal'c also says if his symbiote can detect them, then the ghouls also can. Daniel says they must have been able to see the Ritu to wipe them out. So Teal'c suggests perhaps the Tok'ra can help them. Hammond agrees and orders Sam and Daniel to signal the Tok'ra. So they go outside and they send a signal. They do. And that's the scene. Yes. Go on. <laughs> was all, oh, oh, I see. Okay. In the gate room, apparently sometime later, we would guess, Jacob comes through the gate. 
Sam tells him that they need to talk to Selmak, and Jacob's like, oh, I thought maybe you wanted to see your dad. And Hammond's like, nope, I don't really want to see you either. We need Selmak, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> so Selmak comes out and says that they are happy to be there. Hammond asks what a Ritu is, and Jacob says something to another, the Tok'ra there, seeming to be pretty alarmed that Hammond is even asking him this. He then asks Hammond to send the guy back through the gate to where they came from and asks if they, he can see Charlie. Oh, yeah. That was that scene, huh? That was that scene. Pretty quick. <laughs> pretty yeah. quick. In the infirmary, Charlie wakes up. Jack's hanging out with him. Charlie says he's really tired. And then a loud noise happens. The kid goes for crying out loud. And Jack looks pretty amused. Yes, Seems that to be was picking funny. up some, some Jackisms already here. Yes. Jacob slash Selmak enter the room and the kid immediately gets super agitated again and tries to hop off the bed. But Jack catches him and tells him it's okay. So, I mean, Teal'c is visibly a Jaffa, but yeah. Jacob just looks like a dude. So right. how, so he, he can sense the gold too? I guess he, yeah, I guess he has a way of sensing the hagfish like various other characters so. have been able to. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. I wonder if they genetically engineered him that ability specifically, or if it's ability an ability that like all the Ritu happen to have, and so they also gave it to him. Who knows? One of the many questions we will never know the answer to. Truth. Jack tells Charlie it's okay. The Tok'ra are okay. And then Jacob looks like he's got a big headache. And Sam yes. confirms that there is a Ritu in that room for him. And the other Tok'ra is back already with some devices and hands one to Jacob. And they say it will illuminate the Ritu if it's there. Then they mm-hmm. use the device to kind of the weapon basically to scan around the room and they do make the Ritu appear behind Charlie. Charlie kneels on the bed in front of the Ritu, begging them not to hurt her. And Hammond orders everyone to hold their fire. So they lower their devices and leave the room. Jack apologizes to Charlie for not believing him. And Charlie's like, I wouldn't lie to you. Jack asks Charlie and Mom to stay there till he gets back. And he promises no one will hurt either of them. Worth mentioning, too, that now that we've seen what the Ritu look like, they're not at all humanoid. They look like big insect things, kind of like almost a praying mantis. Yeah. Yeah. Bugs. Big, nasty bugs. (laughs) In the meeting room, Jack asks how that thing can possibly be the kid's mom, and Daniel reiterates that they must have engineered him, as the kid already said that they did. Dr. Frazier adds that he was probably grown in a lab and engineered to have that larger reticular system in order to be able to perceive them. Jack asks how they would manage to do that while still leaving the kid so messed up in so many other parts of his body. But she points out that changing the reticular activating system could have had other side effects down the line that weren't necessarily intentional. And Sam's like, great, so uh, we can't see them, but they can see us. And Tilk points out, of course, that this gives them a significant strategic disadvantage. <laughs> Jacob says that the Ritu are peaceful overall and that the Gould have actually killed most of them, as Charlie told them, because they perceive them as a possible threat since they were having trouble seeing them also. So the Gould developed these devices that would expose the creatures and that can kill them as well. He says that it's called a transphase eradication rod, and they continue to refer to it as a TER. And basically, they ripped off that technology from the gold, which is how they have these things now. Jack says that he promised the kid that they would not kill his mom. And Hammond reminds them that that Ritu, his mom, who we don't get a name for, is is in fact here to help us. Then we get a hard cut (laughs) back to the same scene. (laughs) So weird. Conversation continues. Jacob says that the Ritu rebels are not like the overall Ritu as a whole people. They are terrorists, and they are known to kill and have killed a lot of people. 
Jack asks how many there are, and Jacob says they're not really sure, but their their typical MO is to have groups of five or so, give or take. And they sneak into places, plant explosives, and then try to get out before any kind of detection. And Jacob asks if they have any idea why they're there. So everybody explains to him what Charlie told them about the plan to try to eradicate all possible hosts for the Gwold in order to save themselves from the Gwold. And they figure out that, all right, well, the Ritu are not able to get through the Irish, so that's good at least. They still wouldn't be able to integrate, even though their phase shifted 180 degrees, supposedly. But at the same time, the weapons that they have might be kind of effective, might slow them down a little bit, but probably wouldn't be all that great. So they're really going to need these special weapons that the Tok'ra have. And Jack points out, too, that if they tried using their own weapons, they would essentially be shooting at nothing because they wouldn't be able to see anything. And Jacob's like, yeah, exactly, because it's hard to shoot a moving target, and it's even harder to shoot a moving target that you can't see. So your best bet at this point for lack of more of these weapons is going to be advanced intel, knowing where these people are, where these Ritu are coming from, and how and when. So Jack figures he should go talk to Charlie's mom at this point, and maybe she'll have some of that information for him. Daniel points out that if she does have an address for them to check, that it might be a little bit too risky for them to go and check because they might accidentally let some back through the gate with them when they return without even knowing. And Jacob's like, nope, we'll know. We have our TERs. We'll know if we have anybody else come through the gate with us. And Hammond's like, well, we at least have to try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it sound to you like Daniel had a cold here? It did. I noticed that. Yeah. I was waiting for him to sneeze. Yeah, yeah. But this time it wasn't part of the plot no, line. No, it's probably just... For any seeming reason. Poor actors working through their illnesses. I know, mm. right? Yeah. Before the COVID times. Yeah. You for sure would not be allowed to <laughs> work through your illness, which really should have been the case all along, realistically. Yes, people should but... be allowed to be sick and lay down and not do things. Exactly. Anyway. And not, not spread it to all their coworkers. All that Even too. if it's not a deadly thing, it's still miserable to get a cold from someone else. And it's gross. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Also gross. Yeah. yeah. Jack goes to see Charlie, who's sniffling convincingly, and says, Mom says not to cry. And Jack approaches and tells him that crying is okay. But Charlie says, the boys of your culture don't cry. And Jack says, no, that's not true. There's a whole list of reasons. That crying is a good thing. Charlie says his mom is leaving, and Jack says that's reason number six on the list. (laughs) Five moms already left, and he's going through this list, but Charlie interrupts him and says that mom is still here now, and she's leaving once she's given them all of the info she can. And Jack asks, is she not taking you with her? And Charlie says mom's going to leave him here with his own kind. Jack agrees this might be a good idea. Charlie says, I belong with you, Jack. And Jack asks, can she tell us where to find the rebels before she leaves? And she is going to give Jack the address. Charlie asks if Jack can be his son for a while. Jack's not sure about that. Yeah. And Charlie's like, but you'd be great. I can tell. And Jack's like, we'll talk about this after we deal with the Ritu. Yeah. Later on in the gate room... The MALP is on the ramp. They're getting ready to send it through. And there are several teams, including SG-1 and some Tok'ra, geared up with weapons drawn. They send the MALP through first. Jacob tells Hammond that this whole big team of people that they have is really going to be overkill since the Ritu only work in five-person squads. And Hammond says that he's not taking any chances. He doesn't care. All these people are going. The technician says the MALP is scanning with the TER. And Hammond orders recon only, no shooting unless absolutely necessary, which we already know means absolutely nothing to Jack. Jack says, though, that it is hard to shoot, which you can't see. The technician says that the area around the gate is clear, so everybody makes a run for it through the gate. Ah! Literally running. Yes. Which made me wonder how fast they're coming through on the other side, but we don't find that out. Yeah, they don't seem to come through that fast. I didn't even no- really notice. And yeah, like they for sure weren't coming through at a sprint. The only thing, I mean, I was looking down typing, so I might have even missed it. But I looked up again and they were already kneeling with Oh, okay. Yeah, so. no, they showed them 
coming out, but like the first people like went off to the side really quick. Mm. So nobody was like catapulted through because they ran through the gate. <laughs> yeah, they're like literally sprinting through the gate. And then other times, as we've seen, they walk through the gate and they're catapulted in yeah. like several feet off the ground. So no consistency. Yeah. They're on a planet. There's some, it's kind of a dirt clearing, but there's a tree line around it. So it's not a desert planet. Uh, it's a tree planet. It's a tree planet. <laughs> they don't see any Ritu in their immediate vicinity that they've scanned around for, so they go snoop. As they're walking, Teal'c and Jacob start doubling over in pain, so there must be one nearby. Jacob can tell what direction they are in. I guess maybe he like took a step to the side and it got... I don't know. But anyway, he can tell, yeah. so he points the way. Yeah, I don't think they could tell specifically. Like, Tilk before said that he couldn't tell exactly where in the room yeah. Aritu was, but I think they can at least, like, get a general sense of direction and maybe yeah. numbers. So they head over and they peek over a ridge, aiming their TERs. And Jack says, whoa. And the reason he says that is there are a lot of them. Yes, way, quite a bit more. Way more than, than five. five or ten. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oops. Sure are. So in the meeting room, Hammond's like, so the threat level is high? <laughs> Everyone's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. There are lots of them. Hammond asks if they're sure that none came back with them. And Jacob now says that they can't be sure, despite what he had told them <laughs> earlier. And he does say that they don't think... And he came through with them. Selmax Tremor has finally stopped, he said, though, when they got back. So he doesn't think that there are any Ritu here with them. Jack says it only takes one to open the iris. So Sam suggests putting palm scanners onto the iris control system to prevent any non-humans from being able to open them. And Hammond says, do it. And then tells Jack that he should go talk to Charlie. Do it. Do it. In the control room, Sam is already got that palm scanner basically up and running, it looks like. Did they just keep a bunch of extra palm scanners? <laughs> I guess so. Hanging around? They've got I don't know if that's abnormal. I or don't not, know. So I don't know. <laughs> I was curious. Yeah. But then Teal'c doubles over. Sam notices and gets on the phone to Jack to ask if mom is still with Charlie. She is, so They've got a stowaway Ritu. She hits the alert button, and the Tok'ra with them starts sweeping around with their TER. My question at this point was, why is Teal'c practically on the ground writhing in pain, and this Tok'ra doesn't seem affected at all? Right? I was wondering that, too. And I was wondering if it was just something about the physiology of a Tok'ra versus a Jaffa. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. He finds a Ritu by the stairs, and the Ritu shoots the Tok'ra, and he is blasted through the glass into the gate room below. Oops. Yeah. The Ritu also shoots at Teal'c, but he jumps out of the way and rolls and grabs the T.E.R. and shoots the Ritu. Teal'c instantly seems better. Yes. And they look out the window, and the Tok'ra is super dead. He does look quite dead. He's got a he's he's got a big hole like the monitor. A large yeah. hole in his body. Yes, <laughs> generally not a thing you can walk off even with a hagfish. No. Yeah. Out in the hallway, Hammond, Jack, and Jacob are walking. When Jacob doubles over again, Jack takes the scanner from him and sees that there are actually several Ritu up ahead. So so much for that theory that there's none with them because apparently that whole team did make it through. Oops. The Ritu shoot at them. They all dodge out of the way. And when Jack jumps back out and tries to find them again with the TER, they are all gone. Jacob figures that must be a terrorist team that didn't want to be seen until their destruction had already started. So now they're here. They're going to try to get out of the base to wreak havoc on various other places on the planet. And they'll have explosives as powerful as small nukes that can level whole cities. And so that's that's not good. No. <laughs> nope. Maybe they should try to prevent that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It looks like they, they've kind of turned off a lot of lights in the base. I think it was Sam, Sam. who says that the it'll provide better 
visuals, basically. Yeah. Better contrast or something. Yeah. They've already sealed off much of the base, but their plan is to sweep the areas there that they think the Rito are in and seal off each section as they go through and clear it. Jack sends Jacob, Sam, and some rando in one direction. (laughs) Teal'c and two other randos get another direction, and Jack, Daniel, and another rando get go in the third direction i bet things will end well for this randos just like it always ends well for the random red so well (laughs) in the hall tilk is with his red shirts sealing doors as they go sam and jacob are in a different hallway with their red shirt and are fired upon it misses them and they continue moving ahead jack is searching with daniel and their own red shirt Daniel asks Jack, what if they come through the door behind us? And Jack freaks out and says, what? <laughs> Turning around rapidly, presumably expecting to see a Ritu coming through the door behind them. That's weird. <laughs> there isn't anyone there. And Jack tells Daniel, don't do that. But then when he turns around again to face forward, there is one right in front of him. They have a firefight. Their red shirt, shockingly, gets shot and killed. <laughs> Back with Sam and Jacob. They're hiding. Their red shirt also gets shot and killed. Never saw that one coming. Nope. Apparently, Jacob was also hit. He's got a pretty badly damaged shoulder, but overall, he seems okay. He tells Sam that she needs to go and get the thing, but she hesitates because she doesn't want to leave him alone with his injury. But Jacob promises her that Selmak's going to take care of it. He'll be fine. And then Selmak comes out and tells her to go. So Sam carries on. She and Aritu exchange fire. The elevator door opens and closes, and she manages to do a, like, badass maneuver with a grenade where she, like, bounces it off a wall and then off of a fallen-over table and into the elevator, and it explodes. She approaches the elevator carefully when the door opens again, and we see that it hasn't killed the thing. Its its arm sticks out, and she can see it with her, her TER scanner thing. So the thing's not quite dead. I'm not dead! But she manages to rapidly round the corner and shoot it before it can shoot her. Dad nods proudly. (laughs) (laughs) He does. Yes, quite. He wasn't with her, but he could still see. Jack, Daniel, and their red shirt, who is still alive, reach the infirmary. Jack signals to Daniel that they're going to bust in on three, but Daniel silently signals back, but there's people in there. And Jack silently signals, obviously, I know that, but we're going in anyway. (laughs) So they rush in and he yells, hit the deck. Dr. Frazier and the nurse are alarmed and not expecting this, so they get out of the way. The SG people hesitate to fire until they're fired upon because they can't really tell the difference between the the bad Ritu and, and the mom Ritu. So they do seem to be trying to be careful to avoid shooting her. The Ritu do start firing at them, so they start firing back at the ones who are firing on them. Apparently, Charlie's mom does also have a gun, but when they run their scanner over her, we see that she's pointing it up towards the ceiling, not at any of the people. Charlie looks over there and screams, Mother! And Daniel yells at everyone not to shoot her, but then all of a sudden she is in fact shot, but not by a person rather by one of the rebel Ritus. And of course, Charlie is extremely distraught by that. Daniel looks around, finds the Ritu that shot mom and shoots that Ritu. Jack is groaning on the ground, but he's only been shot in the arm, so he's damaged, but he'll be okay. Sam and Tilk and the others come in and Jack asks for a count of how many they got. And Sam and Tilk each say they got one and Daniel says they got two plus the mom got one. So that is five. Jack does order Sam to check the rest of the base, but they seem pretty sure that there aren't any more. Jack tells Charlie that he's sorry about what happened to his mom, and they hug. And then the kid goes limp. He calls Dr. Frazier over, and she and one of the remaining red shirts put the kid back in the bed. She checks his pupils and listens for chest sounds, which she says are weak. She does not immediately pronounce him to be in a coma, though. So that's good, because he's not. She says she can stabilize him for now, but that Jack has to remember that the kid's got two failing organs, at least. And Jack says, well, there's got to be something that you can do. And Dr. Frazier says, yeah, well, I can stabilize him, but there's not really anything long-term that she can do for him. So Jacob says, let us take him. He'll be safe with us. 
and they can give him his own hagfish, and that hagfish will take care of him. Daniel asks, well, isn't he too young to be a host? And Jacob says he is younger than might be normal, but the symbiote will teach him, and he'll grow up with the wisdom that age brings. And Jack points out that the two keywords there are that Charlie will have a chance to grow up if he goes with the Tok'ra. And Dr. Fraser said, yeah, that's probably the only way that's going to happen. So Jack says, go ahead and do it. Wow. Hmm. No one asks the kid what he wants. No, I was going to say, are they going to get the kid's consent before they put a hagfish in him? Isn't that the Tok'ra's whole thing? Right. I guess if your questions are, you're a child, do you want to die? And they're like, no. Yeah. Then I guess that's, I don't know. I guess. I mean, this kid's pretty young, but not like that young. So hopefully they gave him a good explanation of what was happening. Hope so. In the gate room, Jacob and Charlie are getting ready to skedaddle. Jacob is leaving the TERs with them on Earth and was going to send along any more if they get them. Charlie has put back on his Ewok costume and Dr. Fraser leads him into the gate room. Charlie walks over to Jack crying. Jack gets down to eye level with him and tells him that another rule they have is that it is okay to be sad when saying goodbye to a new friend. Charlie wants to stay with Jack, but obviously that's not possible because he'll die. So Jack says, Jacob's going to take you where you can get well, but I'm going to come visit you and you can come visit me. Do you think that he's going to give him a puppy on one of these visits? <laughs> I hope Cassandra so. got a puppy. She did get a puppy. Yeah. I would feel kind of like I was ripped off if I didn't get a puppy I know, out of this. Right? If I found out that some other kid got a puppy out of this. I know. Well, they haven't told him about Cassandra yet. It's true. He might not even know what a puppy it's is. It's true. Selmak warns that the Ritu will not give up so easily. Sam's like, well, we got the hand scanners now. That's good. And Selmak tells Tilk he needs to be diligent since he's the only one who can sense them. And they're going to send more. The gate whooshes open and Jacob is back to say goodbye to Hammond and give Sam a kiss goodbye. He takes Charlie's hand and they go through the gate. End of episode. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Kathy. Yes, Mary. Did you like this episode? Yes. <laughs> sort of. It wasn't my favorite. Yeah. It wasn't the worst. It's somewhere in a middling kind of episode. Okay. Uh, nice to see Jacob Carter again. I yes. like him much better now that he has a hagfish in him. Agree. <laughs> and, uh, I I don't know. It was interesting to have more alien. This is interesting because it adds another like layer to the fight with the gold, it feels like. Because there's yeah. this other alien species that is an enemy of the gold, but has decided to approach things from a way that is not good for the people of Earth. And yes. Yeah. I don't know. So that was all fine. But I wasn't, I don't know, not super excited about the kid talking to air and then <laughs> interpreting the air at people and i don't know that's that that's not saying much i'm sorry <laughs> you should be sorry i'm judging you for it i'm sure everyone else is too yeah i'm sorry guys i've failed you <laughs> show over <laughs> podcast canceled wah, wah. <laughs> fine <laughs> I think I liked it a little bit more than you did. I liked I liked the plot. I like the idea of I mean, I don't really necessarily know about different creatures living on different like different phases of existence that are like 180 degrees out of sync with ours, but you know, I know that there are multiple planes of existence beyond the ones that we are able to perceive. So I do like the idea of there being other creatures that are in other dimensions that we just can't see. So I thought that was kind of cool. I also like the idea of like large, intelligent beings that look nothing at all like humans. So yeah. I thought that these Ritu, like as a species, were were pretty cool because of those two reasons. Uh, so I liked meeting them as a species, even though the ones that we got to meet were unfortunately not the peaceful ones, but were in fact the terrorist ones rather than the peaceful ones. Well, except for mom. Mom was good. <laughs> um, that the kid 
I am not a big, it's not, it's not all child actors that I dislike, but this one in particular, I don't, don't really like either. I didn't like his character on the X-Files. I don't really like his character here. He just has such a monotone way of speaking. And I don't know if that's just how he was told to act on both the X-Files and here, but he essentially played the the same character on the X-Files and here where he's just very monotone and doesn't really emote at all. And like, I know we see that in other characters like Teal'c, but it's it's somehow different. Like, it just seems like this kid is reading his lines and not even trying. Unlike Ryak, who is like trying to <laughs> emote, but just doing it poorly. Like, this kid seems like he's not even bothering to try to have emotions. So so I'm not a, fa- a huge fan of the, the child actor. Hopefully no one finds that too insulting that I'm not a big fan of the kid. But but child actor slash character that I didn't like aside, I liked the overall story arc all right of the episode so so yeah That's in general fair. i did like it nice yeah 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 so what's next next i'm excited Ooh, we will be watching stargate sg1 what no I way know. that is exciting it is exciting <gasps> but wait it There's gets more? better oh my goodness season two Oh, holy shit. Episode 21. What? And to continue numbers, 1969. Oh, that is a good episode. (laughs) Yay. Okay. Yeah. From the Netflix, the team is propelled to a facility in 1969, carrying a letter General Hammond gave her. A young Hammond tells Carter the letter is from his future self. Yeah, I am also excited. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And from the booklet, a solar flare sends the SG-1 team back to 1969, where the U.S. Military Command suspects the team of espionage. O'Neill and his crew escape and hitchhike with two Woodstock-bound kids, desperate to find the Stargate before they're stuck in the psych- psychedelic past forever. <laughs> psychedelic past. <laughs> That's all 1969 was, and they're stuck there it forever. Was. The entire era was psychedelic. Like, you didn't even need to be taking anything. You just went out and, like, everything yeah. was blue and red and purple and hallucinatory. And, and it continues. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. still that way. So that's yeah. what happens if you existed in 1969, your life is forever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, I guess, spoiler, I like this episode. I know I like yes. this episode. Spoiler, I also know I like this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, that's great. too. This actually, the episode we watched today was not the episode I was thinking about that I know I like also. Oh, interesting. Where there are other new alien species that, that we are introduced to. So I don't know which episode I was thinking of, but this wasn't the same one. But I did still, as I said before, like it for the most part anyway. Is it another Ritu episode? I don't I don't think so. Okay. I don't really remember. I just remember some bits and pieces of it, but it's been a while since I watched it, yeah. so I don't remember it too specifically. Okay. Hmm. As always, thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice if you haven't already done so that so that you can get our episodes when they come out every Monday, as they will continue to do, even with my three jobs and crazy schedule, because the semester will end eventually, right? It's all good. You can also find us on YouTube. Reviews and likes are greatly appreciated on all platforms, and word of mouth is also great for helping other people find the show so that we can continue expanding our audience. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram where we are at stargatesing. If you're feeling generous, you can sign up to be a monthly patron at patreon.com slash stargatesing where you get access to bonus episodes and extra information about what's going on behind the scenes and whatnot from us. If you are interested in doing a one-time donation and want access to not necessarily all of that donor content, but you at least want access to our SG Origins review, you can head over to PayPal and send us a donation of $15 or more to stargatesing at gmail.com for access to a special one-time donor-only feed for our Stargate Origins episodes. And last but not least, you can find our website at stargatesing.space. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargate Sing The End. The End.
Yeah, I felt bad. I had to leave Coconut Snuggles so that yeah. I could come in here because I haven't been home all day since I was in New York. Yeah. But it's all right. I'll go back to Coconut Snuggles while I do my grading Yay. later. Yay. After my stupid workout. Yeah. God. <sighs> stupid health goals. So dumb. It is dumb. All right. Let me stop this okay. recording. Let me move my microphone so I don't bash it against my arm, which would be very painful because it would almost hit my tattoo with my microphone and that would hurt. That would suck.